0: recording day, which is today. I don't know when this will come out on air, but I am coming off of five days in Sedona, Arizona, which is just Mm -hmm. like magical place. (laughs) And I feel that a little bit today. I'm like, I definitely took home some kind of energy from that trip. So (laughs) I'm really excited um, for today's conversation and today's guest. Who is um, in this work, like with me? With, like, we are in it together. I actually think you've been doing this longer than I have, but I might just be making that up. I might, that might just be a story I'm telling myself. So today's guest is um, Kristen Portney, and maybe you pronounce that a different way. And we found each other online. Um, it was actually a client of mine, a past client who mentioned your work. And I was like, what, how do I not know this name? (laughs) And I reached out pretty quickly and said like, Hey, fellow friend, um, let's, let's get to know each other. Let's talk more. Um, let's share what we're doing and you want to come on the podcast and share, share what you're doing. So we're just going to have two, we're just going to have a conversation as two people who are in this conversation. And I don't know about you and I'm going to let you introduce yourself, but I feel like I'm still figuring it out. Like maybe I'll always feel that way. Like I'm figuring out like, what is my voice in this conversation? What is my message? What is the healing that I think the world needs in this conversation? Um, and every day is just like the journey of figuring that out and talking through it with other people. So um, I feel like that's what we're about to do is be like, here's how I look at this. How do you look at this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So why don't you introduce yourself to the audience in, in the way that feels right for you today?
1: Okay. Thanks, Amanda. I'm Kristen Portney, as you mentioned, and I am a therapist. I have a master's in counseling psychology that I received when I was living in California. And I have a a varied background in terms of my therapy practice and the work that I've done, but I've focused my personal inquiry and also a lot of my research and, and part of my practice for the last 10 years on developing and thinking about ways to integrate post-abortion care Mm. to the abortion experience. Um, and so that journey actually coincided when I started my master's degree 10 years ago, or maybe a little bit over 10 years ago. And then I started leading, um, post-abortion support groups. Yeah. And now I have been seeing people individually for, for therapy, Mm -hmm. um, for, abortion but also for miscarriage and also for people who are experiencing infertility as well. Yeah. So really kind of what's interesting to me too is looking at the umbrella term of pregnancy loss and seeing what that encompasses and of yeah. course there are big differences in mm-hmm. um in the experience of pregnancy loss but there's also a lot of similarity and a lot of support yeah actually, for people, I think, who kind of get, like, siloed into these different sections. So that's been an area that I've actually just recently been um, diving deeper into.
0: I love that. So on this trip that I just came from, um, we were hiking some beautiful hike in these gorgeous red rocks in this very spiritual place, and somebody said to me, like, what's your vision? Like, what do you think will be next in your business and your work and I wasn't expecting the answer that came Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it was essentially what you said um and I don't know what's next but I do think um I came from the world of birth and pregnancy and like postpartum and mothering um parenting And then I really funneled in on this abortion work, partly because it's something I had avoided in like my reproductive wellness journey. Mm -hmm. Then like, I, I did, I just avoided it. I was like, someone else can have that conversation. And because of my personal experience, I then dove really just headstrong into it. But What I was realizing when she asked me the question is, is what you're saying, which is like, when you silo it out as its own conversation, that can be problematic in its own way. And like, pulling it all together as part of our weird and wacky and wild and spiritual journey as humans, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, that's probably where the work is headed. So it sounds like we're in a similar path in that way, but you maybe Mm -hmm. figured it out sooner than I did. I
1: don't know. Well,
0: I don't don't know.
1: (laughs) It's nice to hear it said that way, but I'm not sure if I figured how much I figured out. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting
1: question. You're like, what is my voice? What's the message and kind of like, why, why be here and why be occupying the abortion space but I would say not even just the abortion space but like the post-abortion space which is sort of this desert terrain where you don't really you look around and you don't see that many other people also why like when you messaged me it was very exciting and I love connecting with other people who are you know diving into their own experience of what it means to have had an abortion or more than one abortion and then working with people to integrate that as well but there is something sort of mysterious about the work <laughs> um, and and how how I mean, I'm here because of my own abortion experiences and being sort of just mystified and blown away at how different I felt after each abortion and talking to other people and realizing that they were feeling the same and just trying to create the space. I mean, there's so much work around destigmatizing and storytelling, but there's very little work, I think, around actually what it means to integrate the abortion experience and kind of like take the gifts and go into the grief and sort of like, like what does it mean to have to almost like re-identify as someone who has had an abortion or someone who's had more than one abortion, which can be even more complicated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I love the way you described it as this desert space, maybe because I'm just coming from the desert, but, um, I think after my own abortion, portion it felt like um I wasn't even at the desert description. it just felt like this crater, like this like mm-hmm. indescribably large crater <laughs> that was pretty dark and pretty cold and dry and like it was just this empty space mm. that no one was talking about like and all of a sudden I realized it existed. And, um, you just using the word desert space, um, I don't know, like it feels like a little more solid, like I can, okay, I can stand on this and do the work. Mm -hmm. And I think I've spent five years since my own abortion, almost six years, like trying to even create something to stand on. Yeah. Whereas when I had my abortion, it was like, I fell in the deep, dark hole. And there was nothing to even get up on. It was just like so much empty space. Mm. Um, So anyway, this is just sort of my own aha in just you using the language because it does still feel like a desert. It's like, yeah, there are a few of us in here talking about it, but a few is literal, like, Mm -hmm it's not like a few like thousands like yeah it's like literally a few
1: like it's literally a few I know I mean I I love that image of just like being in a crater and then kind of standing up on flat land again and looking around and I really resonate with that too and um and yeah just how hard it was to to crawl out of the like post-abortion hole, which I have also fallen into. It didn't happen with all my abortions, but it definitely happened with my second abortion. And for me, I was so confused of what it meant to be having any feeling aside from, oh, like this was the right choice and this is what I was supposed to do and I'm relieved. And of course I felt that way. And it wasn't until I heard another woman, I was actually at a grieving and ritual workshop through Mm -hmm. my school, um, the California Institute of Integral Studies. Yeah. And there's probably like 60 of us in a room and I was the second to last person to share. And I was thinking about all the grief that I'd gone through. Like I'd lost my dad early on and grandparents and things like this, but none of it really felt true to what I was feeling. And this was probably eight months after my second abortion. And I went and I shared what I knew how to share. And then the woman who went right after me, the last person to go, she said, I'm here, I'm grieving an abortion that I had last year. And it just, it just like came over me like a wave of emotion. I was just crying and I thought, oh my gosh, I didn't even know I could use that word. I didn't know I was allowed to to say that I was grieving. I didn't, I couldn't have even identified that in myself. And so I know the power of just Having like that one person yeah. say something that just touches you and validates you and says like, oh my God, brings in into focus what you've been experiencing. Cause it can feel so confusing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm not doing enough. I'm not like, it's not, I need to do more. I need to understand more. I need to like help more people. And that conversation can get pretty wild. And then you realize like, wait a second. (laughs) Every drop in the bucket is a really big drop in Mm -hmm. this conversation because um, yeah, like just putting the words abortion and grief in the same sentence is something most people are not hearing normalized Mm -hmm. or even talked about. It's a really big deal uh and i'm really curious because you have this um coming from the therapeutic mindsets and the more medical mental health versus me who like came from like doula work and life coaching it's a much different approach in terms mm-hmm. of like um i'm curious from the therapeutic perspective, like, do you have a sense in your research of where it got separated? Like, where did we, because most of the clients who come to me say, like, I couldn't tell my therapist. I just couldn't bring myself to tell my therapist. Um, Or I can't find a therapist I can talk to about this. And I'm just always curious about where that got detached in the medical model? Like, because clearly you're doing the work from a therapeutic expertise and you've somehow overridden that disconnect and reconnected it. But Mm -hmm. like in your research, in your understanding of it, like, do you have a sense of when that happened?
1: Hmm. I don't know if I have an understanding of like a, a timeline of when that happened, but I can see How and why it happens. I mean, in terms of, I, and what's interesting is I've worked with many people who are already seeing a therapist, actually. Mm -hmm. And, and like you said, they're afraid to tell their therapist for, for a variety of reasons. They don't know what their stance is on abortion, or, you know, oftentimes women are you know, people who identify as women are caretaking other people. And so there's a fear that maybe like, if I tell my story about abortion, what am I going to trigger my therapist? <laughs> right? right. So there, there can be kind of like, yeah. this caretaking, like caretaking
0: their therapist. Yeah, exactly.
1: And, and it's scary. Um, and, and so yeah. it doesn't feel safe to share. And I, and I also think that, you know, they're unfortunately, I mean, therapists can try to work through as many like biases that they come into therapy with, but not everybody, we're all human, but people don't know how to respond to someone who's had an abortion. And so
0: like when in the medical model, I mean, like there's, which is, I think this might be where you're headed when you said like research and development on post-abortion care, (laughs) this might Mm -hmm. be where you're headed, but like, therapists had training like how do you respond when someone says they had childhood sexual abuse or how do you respond when someone says they've been raped or how do you respond when someone says they whatever like where did we just miss the how do you respond when someone has an abortion like was the stigma just so huge that we avoided it or like how did that happen
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, it's such a huge and fascinating question that you're proposing. Um, And I, and I wish I had more, more, well, this is the show like no answer, sending all these like little fireworks off in my brain though. Right. (laughs) Right now. Yeah. yeah, How, how did that happen? I mean, it makes me think of, you know, different literature that I've read um, which goes even further back. Like we're talking people researching the medieval times. um, Sylvia Federici who wrote Caliban and the witch. I don't know if you've read
0: Oh, uh, you're the second person to mention it to me. So I probably should read it. That's I love that you brought that up.
1: And I mean, so that that she gives a timeline for at least, you know, in Europe of when women and people were being prosecuted as witches and why and how that connects yeah. to birth and reproductive yeah. justice and autonomy and things like this. So I mean, when did it start? It started pre- A really, really long time ago, I guess I would say. And then in terms of therapy, you know, I don't know. I think that people just don't know. There just haven't been, until now, there hasn't really been anyone talking about what their abortion experience is like. And so I think that, one, we're not getting trained on abortion or reproductive care in therapy. I mean, like we, when I went to school, they try to, you know, weave in as many different topics that you're going to come across. But once you leave school and become a therapist, like it's really up to you to kind of like decide what is my niche, where am I going to focus and how am I going to train myself to be prepared for this? And I think that while we're talking about why aren't therapists good at holding space for abortion, it's like, why aren't people, society, culture, therapists, even good at holding space for grief. Like we don't know really how to grieve in our culture. And so the the question is like, can you manage your own discomfort as a therapist to sit with someone in their loss in general? And and so that can include many things, but it, you know, for the sake of what we're talking about abortion, which Mm -hmm. then again, you know, I just recently was been reading about and, posted on disenfranchised grief and what happens when you're grieving yeah and society and culture doesn't recognize your loss
0: yeah um, and as you were talking like I um I sort of singled out I didn't intend to but I like I'm realizing because you have this therapeutic background that's very curious to me I'm like yeah. she knows she'll be able to help me question. <laughs> it's not just therapists like it's it's even midwives it's obese it's family doctors like it's all medicine that like um you know it will just take like nurse midwifery right Mm -hmm. like nurse midwives are not sitting like getting much resource how do you talk to someone about their abortion like if anything It feels like what they're getting is more. It's a medical procedure. You move through it, and then you decide. Like it's not this piece of like post-abortion mental health care. It's not introduced to them either. Like it's not just therapists. It's it's the whole kit and caboodle. (laughs) I mean, in my in my own personal experience, because
1: I've had three abortions, Mm -hmm. um, is that the post-abortion care? in terms of like being at the abortion clinic, what that looks like, or going to your OBGYN afterwards and following up with your gynecologist is how do we prevent another abortion from happening? Right. Which, you know, which is important And for some people like, yes, their birth control didn't work or they weren't using birth control and they want to be informed. But I would say even that, even though it's, it makes sense. Like I get it. I get why someone's like assessing like, Hey, like what was your birth control method? Would you like to change it? Here are these Hear your options, but it's also sort of sending the message of like what yes. you did was wrong, yes. and like we want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. And as someone who's had multiple abortions, like trust me, I never, I never right. thought that I would end up there for the second time or the third time. And yet, like I, that message was, I mm-hmm. felt was harmful.
0: Yeah.
1: In the, cl- in oh the clinic. In the clinic. Okay, so
0: what I'm hearing, and and again, like this show. Literally, this is this is what I love is just like let's just talk about it. Neither of us have an answer. And we may even get off recording and be like, oh, this is a piece of it too. Like, this is just a piece in the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Part of what I'm hearing is like, yeah, there was this how do we avoid this hard thing from happening again? Versus Mm -hmm. like, let's be in the hard thing. Like, let's let's like recognize and feel that. This is and it's not hard for everyone, which again makes it complicated. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not hard for everyone, it's not hard for every abortion, like in your case, right? Yeah. But instead of how do we avoid this from happening again, it's how do we be in the hardness of it? Like how do we which comes back to what you mentioned earlier about grief. Mm-hmm. And we just are not very well um resourced in. In talking about grief, we're just not. No. <laughs> I remember sitting in a yurt. I've told this story in the podcast in other places, I think. I remember sitting in a yurt with one friend. It was like a new moon circle. And I had just, I had fairly recently had my abortion and they just started crying. And she asked me what was happening. And I was like, it's just so much grief. And I was like, it's not even mine. Like, some of it's mine, but it's Mm -hmm. not even mine. Like there's just so much of it because we've been raised in this way that so much ungrieved grief. Is that like, (laughs) like, I could just feel it all. I'm like, it's just this collective hurt. Like, that's why I'm crying. Like, yes, I'm crying for me, but really I'm crying for this. Like, collective pain that I can feel
1: yeah I mean I think what you're saying is so essential I mean that really starts to touch on like why then like the, the coaching why then go to therapy and it's like well it, like what is our womb holding and what is it letting go I mean and you can look at that every month but also in terms of the abortion like and sometimes it isn't, it's confusing to feel Like, whoa, like, why, why, why am I grieving this loss? Or why is this here? Or why is something around my mom showing up? Or why is something around, I mean, whatever it might be, like my relationship to work, my partner, like all of the things. And then it's like this focus on, on like what's been held and what's been lost and what hasn't been looked at and whether or not it's necessarily grief, but it's like, you know, an abortion will shed light on things that you haven't looked at.
0: All right. That comes back to something you said earlier that I talk about a lot. It's just that, like, the integration of the identity shift—like whether it was a positive or negative experience, or somewhere yeah. in the middle, which is the truth for most people—there is an identity shift in that experience. That, and that's where like the Jula in me comes through. I'm like, like, let's move through this transition. This is a transformation, like let's move through it because I think I want to say all of us, but I think most of us are having a pretty significant identity shift. Even if it's just like, holy shit, this showed me how much I want to go after this career or how much I want to move out of this house or how much I want to, like, it's not necessarily abortion related always but it's Mm -hmm. like there is an identity shift that happens
1: yeah I mean for me each time I was pregnant there is this like conk it's like life sort of just like comes into this really narrow view because all of a sudden like there's a really big transformation that's potential like on the line of becoming a parent and then and so, yeah, I mean, and even you know what came up for me in my third abortion was like, I want to have a baby, but like, I'm not ready now, and like, how do I make the changes so that I can, you know, be ready in the in the future? Like, what's my relationship look like? Where am I living? What's my house like? Am I am I fulfilled in other ways? And 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 for me, it was what what are the motives of becoming a parent too? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I don't know that feels important too because not everybody. Yeah has the opportunity or the luxury to, to think about that of like, why am I, um, becoming a parent? And, you know, not that there's like a right or wrong reason in that either, but I think just having the clarity within yourself can be a gift as well.
0: Yeah. And that's where, I mean, this is really a reproductive justice issue. Like this Mm -hmm. is like, what does it mean to choose to have children? Mm -hmm. And what does it mean to, be able to raise them safely and sustainably and like okay so i feel like at this point we've been talking about kind of like what's it like to do this work in the world and but you bringing up this piece about i know i i knew i wanted to have children not at that time um i could just feel all my listener ears being like me 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, because you have so much um experience and expertise in this in working with people and in this field, like I feel like I want to shift to like what do you say to those people who, because this came up in a coaching call this morning too. Um, what we can do a lot is choose the abortions, and then later, be like, well, I could have done it then, right? Like look back and kind of what if the situation as if we were a different person when we mm-hmm. when we made the choice. <laughs> like, so what are you, what are you, what kinds of things do you share with people who are like, I know I want to be a mother or a parent, um, but that wasn't the right time. And now that it is the right time, I'm looking back and kind of beating myself up.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean that's such a common place for people to be yeah. in. And m- one of my approaches to that is starting to um inquire with the person about self-trust. Yeah. And I do love you, it. you know, do you trust yourself? Did you yeah. trust yourself then? And, I mean and that usually like your response just now people are like I mean, do I trust? <laughs> and I mean that's something I've confronted many times like do I trust myself? Did I trust myself? Can I trust myself? my past self, my future self, me now. And so then kind of moving into an exploration of like of what trust means to them, both for trusting other people, trusting themselves. And if that isn't there, then yeah, just looking into practices, practices of connecting to intuition, to feeling grounded, to clearing out other people's voices, which is my gosh, like the strainer you need for that when you've gone through an abortion is so fine.
0: (laughs) Just like what
1: a good description <laughs> you know, like clearing out the muck and then and then being able to arrive at like okay like so that voice that came up for you that was so strong so clear it was like bam no I don't want to have this baby mm-hmm. and like and you were holding like and I know that I wanted to have one after like can you trust that voice that came through like that clear where did it come from did it come from your heart did it come from your gut have you ever heard your voice in that way was it your own voice? Was it mm. someone else's voice? So really just starting to unpack. And what I found for most people is, I mean, gosh, I mean, there's so much complexity in everyone's experience. So it's hard to, hard to I generalize, know. But, you know, like, I think for a lot of people, there is this like moment of being like, holy shit, like, yeah, that was my voice. And, and it did. And then maybe I'll never really understand where it came from. And, and maybe that's also okay. So like building the tolerance for for our, the, mis, the mystery of kind of like our intuition or of just knowing, yeah. like a deep knowing, like, no, this isn't right, this isn't wrong. Even though maybe you looked around and maybe your relationship was great and you had a job and like everything in theory was in place for you to have a baby, yet something inside of you said no. And so I think that that is like a, an issue around, around trust and and kind of holding space for the things that we just may never really be able to anchor in
0: like
1: like, one plus one equals two in this situation Mm
0: -hmm. i just like the word trust is so i mean i i tell my clients and i tell my community all the time like we're here through the door through the portal through the experience of abortion but like it's not really why we're here (laughs) this is just happens to be the topic that brings us to Mm -hmm. things like self-trust you know, it's like, it's not about the abortion. Like the thing that really feels hard is not about the abortion. It's about that relationship to self that like, who am I in the world? It's all those questions. Um,
1: yeah. And I mean, if you, if you already have an inner critic, like a harsh inner critic, and then you have an, I mean, like the, the compounding just like Right, it's almost like a, a terror, you yeah. know, inside one's own psyche, and and it's and it's hard, and I think it, it takes practice and like a, a certain skill set to to clear those voices out. I mean, that's like inner critic work anyway. But yeah, yeah it's. Uh, I
0: love that you're you're using that language of like it takes practice and it's a skill set. It's a learned skill set. Absolutely. And so that is the work of saying hey this thing happened to me i've had these abortions um perhaps i can take this as an opportunity to learn new skills (laughs) yeah right because they're not it's not like it's not like you are the person who's fine after abortion or you're are the person who's not fine after abortion like no it's like you are the person who has different skills and experiences or you are the person who has not yet built those skills and experiences. Like yeah it it just reminds us all that like these are learned things and it's never too late to learn. Um ever, ever ever. Like trusting yourself is not just a thing. There aren't like people who just trust themselves. Um of course then we get into like personality types and human designs and like all that stuff. Yes are sure. some people more easily can they more easily accessible self-trust to access self-trust tools yeah sure but these are skills like you can choose to learn them anytime yeah and you know they need
1: tending and caretaking and Mm -hmm. revising and um and you know it's interesting like I was thinking about the other day like what and I don't always love to use the word healing because I think it I don't know. some what does that mean exactly? But to heal post-abortion. Yeah, and I was thinking about my own experience and of trying to, yeah, like um distill like what does it mean? What is the work? Like well, what happens then after the counseling or after the coaching? And I had this moment of that I yeah, I just think it's nice to share of thinking like when I used to look back on my abortions, even when I would talk to myself. In my own head, or like journal or talk to someone, I was always justifying every moment mm-hmm. of the decision mm-hmm. of after, of like, like this, this, this isn't it. Like, I had to, I couldn't just say the story and let it be what it was. Like, there had, I had to digress all along the timeline to mm-hmm. somehow, like, make it okay. And then I realized like maybe the, the healing or like the, the place of rest to come to is being able to look back at our experience or for me, look back at my experience and just say like, I got pregnant, it wasn't planned. I chose to have an abortion. It was hard. I felt sad, like I felt all these things and then and, like that's, and then it like rests. And I felt that like a,
0: mm-hmm. that there
1: was some sort of peace and, or at least not, I didn't have to do gymnastics. Mm, that day. I I mean, I still do gymnastics like in my mind over some things, but I think it's like, well, like to have a good day or like a string of days where there is your mind is more at peace and at rest and the story gets to just exist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had an abortion because my IUD fell out Mm -hmm. versus I had an abortion one feels like a level of acceptance, and mm-hmm. one is a level like oh, level' not the right word even. all words are messy. Let's just say all words <laughs> are messy. and everyone has different meanings for all their words yeah, <laughs> so, but um, the need to justify and defend, I know this very well, um, comes from a place of resistance like I still haven't accepted this this fact in my story because that's all Mm -hmm. it is it's just like a thing that happened and when we're in that justifying place defending place like trying to make sense of it place like we're so far from just accepting that it happened Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't have to like it I think that's a tricky thing about the word acceptance too like we have attached this, um, idea of like liking to accepting, but Mm -hmm. that's not the case. It's just like, this is a thing that happened. Now I can work from there versus the resistance, which is much harder, harder place to work from. Absolutely. (sighs) Right. It's like, so it's just so much to talk about in this, Desert.
1: (laughs) And there's so much even like within the pro, you know, the pro choice or people having abortions. I mean, for me, I wasn't on birth control. And let me tell you, I could set, I could spend two hours telling you all the reasons why I wasn't and all like every, and like the moment leading up to, and this is why and that. And then the sun was here and it was winter. And you know what I mean? Like, whatever it is. And like I still feel like I feel like the tug. I feel like the oh, like I shouldn't right. explain that further. And like, isn't that messy to just say like, oh, I wasn't using birth control, and I'm like, well, I wasn't. And 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 wow. I got and like and also the, for some people that doesn't happen, and for a lot of people it does. Like that's an outcome of sex, and there's passion, and there's yeah, you know. I mean, I don't even want to call it a poor choice. It was just a choice.
0: Yeah, And that piece of like I wasn't using birth control. Um, don't you think? the thing that we're afraid of in that moment that leads to the justification and the defense is other people's feelings, right? Like, well, it's our own feelings and it's other people's feelings. And so if we just sit with that statement and we're not like, we just let people have their feelings about it Mm -hmm. without feeling like we have to somehow be involved in their feelings, which is kind of the manipulation of the justification and the defending because i've been here too like i'm right here with you (laughs) yeah for a long time my story was i had an abortion i didn't know my iud fell out and like i couldn't say it without saying i didn't know my iud fell out and that was that like i can't handle your feelings about why i got pregnant in the first place because i can't handle my own feelings about why i got pregnant in the first place and so no. now I need to justify and defend. And like, it's just, yeah.
1: It's yeah. so, I mean, it's, it's so like it's, it's so layered, but also I, I find that like a lot of people and like, whatever, it's just human curiosity. Like I can understand that, but it, oftentimes I notice when I'm telling people about my abortion, one of the first questions that they ask is, were you on birth control? And I don't know if it's because like, they're like, Oh shit! Like I don't want what happened to you to happen to me. So like, what kind of birth control were you on? Like, I that's make my sure,
0: assumption. Usually, I want to make yeah. sure I'm doing
1: it differently. Uh huh. And and so like in in some sense, you know, it's like it is an interesting, you know, part of the story. And yet, like I I wish that people, maybe yeah, people who want to support people who are having a board, like just as a friend, as a community member, maybe just let let go of your own curiosity. Sometimes your curiosity actually isn't serving the other person. And I think that is,
0: yeah. Like just that question, manage. like, is this about me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really hard to dissect in the moment because in the moment when you hear that someone had an unplanned pregnancy or even, um, you know, a, a medically chose like an abortion chosen for medical reasons, like, oh shit, is that going to happen to me? Like, is my baby yeah. ha- have a defect? Um, it's really hard to catch yourself in those moments without the skill set and the practice that we talked about earlier. So I think sometimes it can be really helpful to just reflect back and be like, "Oh, let me just think about that conversation I had today. Like was there a moment where I was scared that that was going to happen to me and it really was about me and my curiosity was not about listening yeah. <laughs> or holding space for someone to share their story. It was about me and my own fear and that's because I'm human. Just like, but let me just look at yeah. that. Yeah. And then, what would have happened if I just took a took a breath in that moment and didn't make it about me? Mm-hmm. I'm the queen of making it about me. So again, this is all just like <laughs> things we were in a constant state of practicing and learning. Um,
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I put my foot in my mouth. You know what I mean? Like it's and it's not to you know shame those people, but it is like, you know, like to go back to your question, like, what is the message? Like, what am I doing? And I think maybe you can relate, like being someone who's publicly talking about their abortions, who's talked about with many different people, who's probably had many different styles of conversation. I think one thing that I hope I can lend is like going through a lot of, like, I think so many people don't share their abortion stories for such amazing reasons because it's they're protecting themselves from other people, which is I think, important. And yet there's like a desi- a desire to share, to not be isolated and alone. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of the message is both like supporting people uh, post-abortion, but really trying to shed light on what it means to be with someone when they're talking about their abortion afterwards. So that maybe... Less and less people have to go through these painful, <laughs> can be painful sort of like curiosities or misattunements or mm-hmm. or whatnot, and of course they're going to happen and re- repair can then ensue, which is a, an important part of relationship building. But but yeah, it's just such a vulnerable time, and so part of me just really wants to like protect yeah. protect people post abortion as much as possible from I don't know just being being dropped. Yeah. In, while they're being, Mm -hmm. it
0: really does feel like that. It feels like, I I remember thinking, um, okay, well I had a baby and I joined the club or like, I I think I wrote about this in a book. I started writing once and then stopped. It was like, I got my period and I joined the club and then I started having sex and I joined the club and then I got on birth control and joined the club. And then I had a baby and I joined the club and then I had a, a miscarriage, and I joined the club, and then I had an abortion. And I was like, "Where's the club? Like, <laughs> like, wait a second. Where are the people who are gonna like hash this out with me and help me make sense of what just happened?" And um, so like I don't love the word club but that is sort of what it feels yeah, like it, it works though <laughs> it's like you can't understand it like I couldn't have understood being a mother until I was a mother I couldn't have understood miscarriage until I lost a baby I couldn't have understood abortion until I had an abortion maybe that's just because of, of my ego and my self-centeredness I don't know but it does feel that way and so what I hear you saying is like um Let's just create more rooms where we can talk about it. Like, just to, more rooms to feel the feels, more spaces to like, more tools to to listen mm-hmm. to somebody and to and to share and to express. And like, I think that's that's what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we're doing. Like, you're allowed to feel all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. I think what I'm realizing more and more as I do this work is um, there's an embracing of uncertainty that's just kind of vital to finding peace. Mm. <laughs> like I think, um, I think a lot of times when we're in the the um, like the intensity of the struggle, like we're just searching for certainty. Like, did I make the right decision? I need to know I made the right decision or um, did I make the wrong decision? That's fine with me, I just need to know. And we're like, just like craving this certainty that if you're human, doesn't exist. Like, Like, there is no certainty. And so I think I'm just realizing more and more that like, okay, I think my message might be embrace the uncertainty because that's all you're ever going to find. Yes. And if you can have, coming back to what you said, like the trust and the willingness to choose you and see you and be with you, you don't need certainty the way you think you need it when you're like grasping and just like searching for answers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. <laughs>
0: Oh, well, what haven't we said that you might want to share? Because I'm just excited that we both exist in the world, and I'm sure many listeners are too right now. Um, is there anything that that we I haven't given you an opportunity to just say that wants to be said? You
1: know, nothing's nothing that was on my mind before the conversation, or nothing that's really coming up now. But yeah, really just. Feeling grateful and thank you for reaching out to me and inviting me here. It's been really fun, actually. It's fun,
0: right? <laughs> it always like fun. we if you, you know hire me or hire Kristen and we do cry and we also laugh and we yes. also get like weird and philosophical and we start questioning the meaning of life and we feel the feels like that's a, a piece of Abortion that has been sort of like you know, put in the media as dark and scary and like, no, we can also have really light fun. We can have fun talking about Absolutely. abortion like we make fun of we ourselves try too to. you know, we like fun. <laughs> yeah. It's all of it. That's all. Yeah. Of it. So this I agree with you. This has been really fun. and um, and I love these conversations because it's just more like that feeling of like this is where I want to be like I want to be in this conversation I want to be in this in this desert <laughs> even though <Me> too. I- <laughs> even though there are no answers and it's very uncertain like I want to be here I want to be having these conversations
1: me too I mean th- this might be like a weird way to say it but like ab- like abortion like turns me on in this way like I know I feel, I feel like <laughs> energized and and passionate yeah. and like vital actually when talking about abortion yeah. both my own but also just talking about it in terms of like what it means to do to do the work to do the post-abortion work and so yeah, yeah. like I think
0: yeah.
1: these moments yeah. that in the desert when you like cross paths and have little racism like I know
0: yeah. um <laughs> I'm gonna offer you a book title that you are, might already know or have feelings about but I don't know that I've talked about it on the podcast for listeners um do you know the book existential kink no I don't oh boy (laughs) what an exciting title (laughs) what an exciting title but it is that idea that like um you said you know it turns me on and it's just this getting to this place where all of life turns us on right? Mm-hmm. Like coming back to that question, how do we avoid this hard thing again versus like, how do we be in the richness of this hard thing? Like it, it's kind of like, it it can be that exciting mm-hmm. <laughs> to be in the grief, to be in the, sh- even the shame, like there are elements of it that are just so big and incredible that they are a turn-on. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's just yeah. funny that you said it that way because I keep finding myself exploring the work of Carolyn Elliott and Existential Kink more and more. It's probably going to come into my coaching more and more.
1: <laughs> but Yeah, you know, I think that people who go through loss like and so talking about abortion people who experience loss through abortions like you know something about life that everyone will come in contact with at some point maybe some people haven't yet but like and I've had friends who have helped guide me towards that understanding um, in the grief work that they do and that just feels so good it felt so good for me to hear that um Of just like, yeah, like you're, it's like you're in touch. You're, you're at it. You're, if life is a point, like there you are. Yeah. In yeah. it. And don't, and don't let like the psychic gold get robbed from you. Yeah. Because that's what culture and society wants to do for many things, but specifically around abortions. Like, and so I think like letting people know, like, yeah, there's been this robbery kind of going on of like mm-hmm. our being able to be in process, to be, be in the depths, be in the waters and, and, you know crawl out of the crater
0: yeah yeah there's a passage in Cassie Underwood's book um that speaks to this it's like that you use the words like because you've been through this you know something that other people mm-hmm. don't know and like i just i just think that's so so true and it doesn't mean like go out and get pregnant and have an abortion that's not what we're talking about it's not like <laughs> right it's like it 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 does give you this depth of the human experience that other Mm -hmm. things do not like you you just do you just now have access to things that you could not have accessed before your abortions Mm -hmm. it's just how it is (laughs) how it is (laughs) so you can embrace that or you can keep pushing it away All right. This is so lovely. And I'm sure we will continue to be in touch. Um, If people want to find you and follow you and learn more about what you're doing, where do they do that?
1: Sure. So my Instagram is Kristen Portney underscore therapy. And I guess my name will probably be listed on your uh Oh
0: well, I'll link to everything. So, okay, okay, great. But for listeners who are like, I don't want to look at show notes, just tell me how to find you. Okay. And then my website right
1: now, although the name is changing, but it's abortionwheel.com. Okay, great. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Oh my God, my dog has been so loud this whole episode. <laughs> we kind of predicted that one at the big beginning before we started recording. This is real life over here. (laughs) Yeah, dog and all. (laughs) Oh, Thank you so much. I'm really, I'm honored to add this to the collection.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for thinking of me and inviting me.
0: Yeah, it was beautiful. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing